Chronicle podcast powered by the Archie Universe. Check out the ArchieUniverse.net for this and many other great Archie podcasts. I am Josh, and joining me is this is Don. And joining us um, this week is um, the reunion that you've all wanted. You heard us together on the Millie the Model Classics podcast that we did many years ago. John, hello, John. Hello, hello. I'm so glad to be back, right back in the old school romance kind of comics vein that we've talked about before. Yeah, so this episode of Riverdale that we're covering is Chapter 7, In a Lonely Place. Does Hunt is on for Polly because she was missing with a broken window and a bloody glass on it. And uh, she, the Blossom family, you know, basically, she basically shows says, what are you doing looking for your missing daughter? And so um, uh, pa- uh, Polly and Betty's mom says, well, I'll, I'll trump a card to you, and announces on a press conference that... Polly is pregnant with Jason's baby, which this changes everything. So Cheryl offers her um, her allegiance to Betty, although her parents kind of follow her up, and um, they offer her uh, a sanctuary. Um, although by the end of the episode, Cheryl's like, actually, they plan to do something nefarious to Polly. So you should hide her. Um, so she she goes to live with the Lodges. Meanwhile... Um, in the B-plot. Yeah, in one of them. With the B-plot, uh, Jughead's father uh, is working with uh, Luke Perry again. And we fi- and and Jughead and Archer are happy about this, but we find out that um, Luke Perry and, and, and Jughead's father uh, they were friends in high school, and they had started uh, Fred Andrews' business together. But Jughead's father was kind of screwing up a lot, so he was eventually fired, and there's some resentment over that. Um, eventually, uh, Jughead is seen as a suspect in the Blossom murder so- because he burned down his elementary school. <laughs> yeah, and he got picked on for having a stupid hat. So, um, so and a stupid name. And a stupid name, which which he says. Um, so he's I mean, he's taking it for questioning. He's not like you know like beaten and thrown into prison. So like like he's taking it for questioning. And Archie comes up, shows up with his dad, and his dad says, "Don't worry, Jughead was with me on the Fourth of July, working for me as a as a favor, and I'll bring you the timesheets." So while Archie, Jughead, uh, Archie's dad, and I think Betty walk out of the uh, sheriff's office. Jughead's dad I don't think Betty was there. Wasn't she there? But, at least in the, in the sheriff's thing. office. Yeah, Betty was there. Okay. Uh, so, I, so, I deferred so, to the I deferred to the wisdom of the people who actually just finished the episode. <laughs> so, so his dad shows up and like, is he? He's kind of he's just kind of messed up. And he threatens. I think he was drunk, wasn't he? he? Probably. He threatens to beat up uh, Kevin's dad and or the, I should say the sheriff. And it's a, no, 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 you know. And the entire episode, he's been kind of just testy and you know very uncomfortable, you know, like all drunken fathers typically are. Um, and basically, Jughead, like, like, he offers to take Jughead home, and Jughead wants to go home, but Archie offers to have him stay at his house. And this, this kind of goes back and forth for a little bit, but eventually I think Jughead, uh, resigns to live with Archie until his dad could get his act together. And in the third plot, um, Hermione Lodge and Veronica are at odds because, uh, Veronica knows that Hermione forged her name to help out Archie's dad, so she goes partying with uh, Josie and Kevin and Reggie, and we find out that like uh, her credit cards have been declined and her report is stolen as revenge. So basically, they say, "Okay, you don't go out and party anymore, and I won't publicly have PDA with uh, Archie's dad." And that's when Polly shows up to live with them. And did I miss anything? Is that all the plots? That's basically it. Pretty, pretty much. She she agrees to tell uh, the dad that she uh, forged. Veronica's signature so that Ronnie doesn't think that she Ronnie doesn't want dad to think that she betrayed him right 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 her dad yeah like uh, uh, Hiram Lodge 
Uh, who's yeah, so far unseen, except for in the comics, Iron Lodge. Oh yes. Yeah, although I'm I'm wondering if he's going to be um, looking like he is in the comic because in the comics he's 1980s Edward James almost. He looks like Gordon <laughs> to me. Yeah, but it's but like the, the comic is already like contradicting the show in some ways, and like the the comic is even contradicting itself because you, you like, mean like the preview comic, not not the actual comics. The one shot comic. Yeah, well, the comic that's in, that's in continuity with the show, like. So, because in the issue zero, there's, like, various, like, sequel <laughs> stories, and then, like, there's, like, two moments where, like, Jughead says, hey, Archie, why weren't you with me on the 4th of July, like, where you were supposed to be? And they happen, like, two different ways that contradict each other, because it's an anthology comic. And I have a preview of, like, the first issue that Archie Comics sent me from, like, the the actual, like, Riverdale tie comic that they're going to do. And I didn't finish it, but, like, when I started reading it, one of the plots was like, oh, Archie, if you wear this, this is Jason Blossom's number. We're giving it to you. And I'm like, wait, did they even watch the show? We had a whole episode about this. Like, why are we doing this again? So I don't know. So there's crisis in the timeline already. So, like, I, I think that, like, when we see the dad, he might not even look like the comic. Oh, you never know. He might, honestly, he might look like another guy, like James Vanderbeek or something. Well, I mean, we had we talked about a few episodes ago. Like, we had Mister Weatherby, like looking, <laughs> looking like um, what's his Jane name? Carlos Esposito. <laughs> yeah, like from Breaking Bad. Instead of like you know the like the, the portly like you know Uncle Santa Claus guy. From- and then there's Mister. Yeah, he, he's, he's kind of uh, severe looking. Yeah, he, got, he, got, he, yeah looks, he looks evil. He talks evil like everybody else. And of course, there's Miss Grundy, like a principal, like the old woman. From well, he, he's. I'm sure that like later on in the, in the episode, we're gonna find out that like he's not the real Mister Weatherby, and and like Miss Grundy, he like stole the identity of like Waldo Weatherby, and we'll see. An <laughs> <laughs> obituary in the newspaper with like classic Mister Weatherby in there, and he actually is the real Mrs. Grundy, and he killed Jason Blossom because right. Jason Blossom knew his secrets. For revenge, because what? what yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, so let, let, let's talk about this unfolding Jason plotline first. Um, the whole, first of all, okay, Cheryl Blossom, she can't walk into the sheriff's office and say, "I have information about Actually, this murder mother. case, but I'm only going to give it to you if you agree to these terms." Because at that point, the sheriff will say, "Okay, well, um, I need to bring you in for questioning then, because you can't like, you don't go up to a." officer of the law and say I have information about your murder case and I'm only going to give it to you on these conditions but then I mean, you, so, I you, you could play the card that people in town are rich and that Blossoms hold a lot of sway in a small town and the sheriff is an elected position somebody did say that like uh, oh yeah Chuck Chuck says said you're, that. You know, yeah like your dad answers to a higher power than uh than God, than, <laughs> than yeah, God the I think that Keller's not exactly completely like he's a well-intentioned cop but he's not exactly a pure cop as far as he does have people he's accountable to apparently he's like the only cop in town because don and i talked about this in like other episodes like every time something happens like oh well we'll could just go to sheriff keller about that or like it's always like all about not only is he the only cop but like his office is his house because they were able to break into his house to like steal that stuff well, I mean, going back to like what you're about with the uh, the blossoms. There's that scene where everyone's like kind of doing their scavenger hunt to find the missing pregnant girl, and it's like, like, should we invite Betty to our, our, our to the club tonight? Like, I think she has more problems. And you look at like the blossoms, looking like they just came from like the the, the racetrack. Uh, Dude, they were like in hunting I, gear. They were like in yeah. hunting hats. They had dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they have like dogs. Howdy like, ho, let's go. Bye. Exactly. Cheryl <laughs> Blossom looks like she's good. she's like, she's gonna like go to like uh, the saddle club or something. Yeah, yes. I, 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 and then they're not there to help. They're just here to, to say like you know, Jacques. We know that that Polly. We'll find uh, Polly, and we'll like you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll grill her and cook her up. The heck with due process. And like, and like, and, and, and as as a re- as retaliation, it's like, well, I'll show you. Guess what? Press conference. She's pregnant with Jason's baby. And poor Cheryl, like, I actually kind of felt bad for because like you could tell that she was legitimately, um, like overwhelmed with emotion when she heard that. In my first viewing, I was a little more um, pissed off. I was less forgiving of of Cheryl's like um, turn because at the beginning she's like, I hate Polly. I'm gonna find her and kill her. Then like all of a sudden she's like, I want to find Polly and help her. And I was like, okay, where did that come from? But like, on my second watch, I was like, yes, this this makes sense, and we actually see the the change in her. And I think she's conflicted throughout. Like, even at the end, whenever she says you have to leave here now, it's almost like 
she is making herself go through with the decision she has made. She's she's not she's she's still conflicted. Yeah, and I also question Betty trusting her anyway because Cheryl Blossom keeps on going back and forth, like from like I hate you, I love you each week, and it's like yes, I will turn my sister over to these people who obviously want to like do bad things to her. Yeah, because, like, because Cheryl's parents are like, like all the parents, every last one of them. Very, very weird. You're like, no, trust us. Can you tell us where Polly is? Uh, I'd rather not. Of course, of course. It's like you know, talking well, like because no one talks about. We find out like a few weeks ago that they 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 have this ancient feud because of maple syrup. Feud. Like, <laughs> the that. old man McGucket syrup feud. You know, it's just like it's been going it's on a, for generations. A, we were <laughs> we were rivals in a maple syrup company, and we committed murders for like <laughs> like Jesus Christ, like. The Wilson House stays neutral in that fight. We buy fake syrup. I, I mean, I, to have a blood feud over maple syrup, I mean, like, I know that this is, you know, Archie, and we're used to, like, the whole, like, innocent, you know, Don DiCarlo thing. So, like, if they're going to have a blood feud over something, it would it, it would probably be maple syrup or milkshake. So, like, I guess that makes sense. But One of the two, maple syrup or milkshakes. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Also, is Pops, speaking of milkshakes, is Pops the only restaurant in this town? Because they go out to, like, the celebration dinner, and it's Pops Chocolate Shop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there... I thought we had some, some dinner. Smash cut to Pops. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by dinner, I mean greasy hamburgers and some french fries. Right. Well, she was a waitress there, uh, Hermione, like, not too long ago, so. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Pops is, like, where Polly is, and, like... It's when they were in the student lounge. I, I don't mean to just be looking for plot holes because, like, I don't want to be that guy. But like, they're in the student lounge at the beginning of the episode. Like, okay, don't tell anyone. And of course, uh, Ginger, who's from the comics, like, texts uh, Cheryl Blossom. But like, when they're at Pop's Chocolate Shop, nobody like you know sees Polly there and like texts like you know the sheriff or anyone else who might That's have a good anything point. To do. <laughs> no one seems to notice. Yeah, she's like, yeah. Oh, enemy number one. Well, like, she, she's not you know um, a fugitive from the law. I mean, is she? I guess they. Do, would they want her for questioning? I mean, it's, um, if there was a press conference, I think so. Well, I, I think that it's really easy to refute that. Like, I, I do think that she killed Jason, um, and I'll get to that later. But like, while I think that she killed Jason, I think that it would be easy for them to refute it because, like, can't they just say like, well, she was in a psychiatric hospital from this date to this date? It would be impossible for her to kill him. That's well, exactly what they did in this episode. Yeah, and, Sh- and Cheryl gonna... said, "Well, she's escaped now. Maybe she escaped before." I thought she said those exact words. Yeah, I think that I think that they'll we'll find out that like either she had a way out or she bribed someone or whatever. But but also the, we, but we, the don't, we don't know like like a, hundred, a million percent certain that it is Jason's baby. So I'm waiting for that. Grundy, not again! No. <laughs> oh. uh, she rolls down the window with, with her like heart, sunglasses, and her like milkshake. <laughs> That's right. All the students, all of them. God Almighty, <laughs> male and female. Which, all means, the which, which implies something about her, uh, something we've never dared thought before. Um, anyway. Speak for yourself. You said that in the first episode <laughs> of the show. You were like, I bet you we're going to find out that, Grum, that Grundy is transgendered. And I'm like, why do you keep saying that? And you're like, oh, I forgot you'll that I said that in the first episode that we recorded. And the second I, episode, I remember hearing it. I, I, I listened. <laughs> you posted it all over social media. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Grundy, hashtag transgender. <laughs> Don't stand to say like, why do you keep saying that? I'm trying to run an innocent little Archie site here. You know, <laughs> we don't need to be talking about transgender murder people. Okay. <laughs> he thought I'm taking my press badge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so now, now now she's with the the lodges. Like, do we have any thoughts about that whole arrangement? And how can can't the lodges like barely make rent? How are they taking on? One and a half more mouths to um, feed. Hermione always says, you know, we, we only have so much to get by, but, like, you see Veronica looking like Veronica from, from the Archie comics, you know, the character that she is. And it's these and this is Smithers. Beret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, w- w- when rich people are broke, it's different than, like, when they're broke. When they say, like, we're barely getting by, it's like, we can only, like, you know, go to, like, you know, the yacht Pop club, like, six, <laughs> six times this month or something. Yeah, that's why they have Pop's Chocolate Shop. Like, they're cutting down on, like, their fine dining. That's it. Yeah, no, no Cheesecake Factory tonight. Let's just go to Pop, Pop's Chocolate Shop for, like, the 86th time. Yeah, like, I- I'm sure that, like, they're able to employ, you know, a butler. I think that 
rich people poor and like poor people poor are two different things. That that that's what I. Well, there's also Hollywood to. poor, which which you know, like Hollywood homeless. Is like, so like I don't. Uh, um, because because Veronica has nice cash to burn going to like a you know fancy club. Yeah, and, you want to talk about Hollywood home? I mean, I know that we're still talking about like one plot line, but when you go to like you know Jughead's dad's house, he's like you know this poor down on his luck guy, but he had a pretty nice TV. Like, come on! Oh, I didn't even notice that. I just noticed that he was like a. A very scary man. <laughs> Who collects jackets from teenage? You know, boys. we didn't even mention the beginning of this episode, which is like you know, Golden Age Archie with um. Yeah, I was gonna. I was, I was actually just kind of waiting for it to read that. I, I thought it was a really neat visual opening with the uh, um, the S shirt and the, the actual crown. The, the cardboard cut up. Yeah, I, I fell. I fell. I fell off like my bed when I saw that. <laughs> I was like, "Holy cow!" And apparently, that was spoiled on Twitter. But I was like. Texting Don all excitedly, like we actually get like classic arch. Of course, we still couldn't have Jughead eat a cheeseburger, but like this is <laughs> you know close to the never-ending chase for the cheeseburger. Right. I mentioned that every episode since like we've started doing this show, like we need Jughead, and 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 I don't know if you know this, Don, but like, but when we did the press junket for like Riverdale, I actually said the Cole Sprouse who plays Jughead. I said, "How come you're not eating a cheeseburger in like the show at all?" and you think that that's an unusual question to ask, but, like, I, I know that you've only read, like, Scattered Archie, but, like, when you've read, like, more Archie from different eras, like, Jughead and Cheeseburgers is, like, Jimmy Olsen and cameras. It's, like, um, well, what's another thing that, that you would compare it to, Don? Norman Osborn and Stacy? Well, I don't Damn. know. It's like Gwen Stacy and, and that green outfit that, like, she never, like, takes yes. off in flashbacks. Like Gwen and headbands. Gwen and headbands, like Jughead. It's like a lot of well, in the, yeah. In, in, the, in the modern comics that I've been reading, because I've been doing, I've been reading some uh, since the show started. I mean, him and he and cheeseburgers are are, are a thing that gets brought up a lot. Um, the really early pep comic stuff that I've read that has not been introduced yet. But uh, but the um, y'all's rival podcast that I follow, the hashtag Hot Archie Riverdale edition. Um, <laughs> Damn them. Yeah, they uh, they talk a lot about the lack of cheeseburgers and and the deeper moral ramifications that that entails. Say, there was a freaking comic book where like like Arch says Jughead pronounces the word cheese differently, and then like Jughead says in a gigantic word balloon, cheeseburgers. <laughs> so I say to Cole Sprouse, like, why aren't you eating cheeseburgers? And he says, oh, but there was an empty plate in front of me. <laughs> the cheeseburger before the scene starts. Well, actually, yeah, tonight they did. We did come in just at the end of the cheeseburger eating. He was licking his fingers. <laughs> it can't be shown on screen. Yeah, the the like, censors won't allow it. <laughs> I think it was Don who like joked to me like one time that like the final like you know episode of the season like they've just solved the Jason Blossom murder and like they all go out to celebrate at Pops and it's like Jughead, what do you think you want? And he starts to like mouth cheeseburger like Captain America at the end of Age of Ultron <laughs> and it like cuts to black. Like, <laughs> it's like I'd like a cheat. <laughs> just like cuts. <laughs> I think the producer real <laughs> Yeah, like that iconic moments we're never going to get. <laughs> well, like, I mean, they but, can't but, show. Going back to like 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 the the fifties flashback or whatever. Like I loved, I loved how um, Camilla. I think her name's Mendez. Like I loved how she looked like like Betty. I'm not Betty. Uh, Veronica. I think to be to be perfectly nitpicky. I think that Betty looked less like Golden Age Betty than the other ones did. And of course, you have to be like, "Why'd you step in the back, dude?" As Marchie walks away with a knife in his back, <laughs> because symbolism. And Jason was there, which I just y'all have mentioned this occasionally, but I think it's important to know when Jason actually shows up on screen, because it has mm-hmm. it's happened right. very very few times, and this is one of those times where he's there and he hasn't actually spoken. I think the entire series. Yeah, I'm always I'm always made very well. Like, Didn't I mean, he like say it's been a while since I've seen the pilot? But doesn't he like say something in the pilot like? Okay, Cheryl, are you ready to do this? Like, I'm yeah, ready when yeah, so Cheryl starts to disrobe. I mean, um. Cheryl, Cheryl, I meant go on a boat ride. Wow, wow. We just okay. finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we'll do it after. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean like, I'm always wondering when that actor has to film something because he has to be, like, you know, the dead MacGuffin. But, like, yeah, yeah, he, he, they keep on bringing him back uh, to, to play weird, unsightly flashbacks or hallucinations. And he's always like made up really weird, like super red hair, super pale face. I, I know it looks like it looks like he's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 
I don't, I'm not blaming the actor, but I think that the way they like to have Jason Blossom look is kind of freaky. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the Blossom family themselves are weird. I mean, like, mm-hmm. the way that Cheryl carries on when she's not Bulk and Skull is just, like, very bizarre. And the parents are, you know, almost as crazy as Betty's parents. Yeah, so when- Cheryl does this, like, Bulk and Skull thing where, like, everyone will be, like, talking, like, oh, boy, you know, it sure is fun that Josie and the Pussycats are a thing. Then, like, Cheryl will, like, show up. Like unseen Team from like stage left, like, like not so like, fast. Works. Like, like, hey dweebs, dun 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 dun. Like you know, <laughs> don't forget to come to my brother's funeral later. <laughs> I, but I don't want to see you there. Yeah, she's like, 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 like oh. the, the one episode when they're on the bleachers. She's, she's like, you know, it's my sad duty to announce to you nerds to, that you're invited to my brother's funeral. And it's like, what kind of dialogue is this <laughs> that I said? Before we get too far off, it is one more thought about the uh, the fifties scene is that. Um, with all of the imagination trips that the Jughead comic goes on, the fact this just kind of reminded me one of the of one of those because Jughead's narrating the story, Jughead's telling the story, and we get this weird you know imagination sequence from him of this, and I just it reminded me of the way Chips and Arsky was telling the stories in the comics. Yeah, and those Jughead imagination things, those are usually like um, homages to like different eras of the Jughead comic. Like I remember there was one of Jughead Time Police. Which was like a Jughead right. uh, series for a while, and, and um, the which uh, with the uh, with the with the superhero team a thing for a while because that's where I am in the comic. Yeah, I, and Dustin, uh, um, Dustin did an episode about uh, the Time Police thing on um, the Archie Universe uh, specials. Um, <laughs> it was it was him and Ed and Stella. They they did a wonderful run of that. For the uh, the super teens. Yeah, there's been some. There's been some weird stuff in the Archie books. Like, I mean, I, 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 John, have you seen the comic where like like Betty and Veronica are fishing? There's a gigantic Archie fish head that's like bigger than all of them. It's it's like it's like a, it's like a Gyarados. <laughs> I don't see that. Is that from the current series? Is that from the new stuff? Uh, no, no that's not. from the Golden Age. And it's one of those covers that has like no context with like the story inside. It's just Benny and Veronica fishing, and oh, there's an Archie fish. It's one of the scariest things I've seen in my life. <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep an eye out for it. I'm, I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I, we could have been covering this up. I was going to bring this up, in, in, this up later because I actually have a, a weekly Archie reading that I do with the show, so I can talk about my weird CDO habits later in the show. Um, um, but yeah, so that was a really cool opening. Um, and then we find out that Jughead is Harry Potter living in a cupboard under the stairs of the school. Oh, yes. What? Okay, so like, Archie's like, what are you doing here? And Jughead's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like... Yeah, These okay, are both yeah, valid like, questions. Yeah, like, what is Archie doing there? Like, I, I, we know as the audience what Jughead's doing there. I want to know what Archie's doing This would doing make more there. sense if, if because, Grundy was like, still there. Yeah, I was like, is he having sex with another teacher? Like, the only logical explanation. <laughs> if Archie were coming in like with the rest of the team, like everybody was showing up for practice, and Archie would spot, you know, notice Jughead and walked over to him, that would make sense. It would be even weirder if he showed up with only Reggie. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Archie and Reggie. <laughs> At long last. Jughead, what are you doing here? Oh my gosh, are you having an affair with a teacher too? Darn it! Grundy said I was the only one. <laughs> well, I, I imagine that he was just like getting an early early workout at the at the gym. I, I guess, but like, could they have done one line of dialogue? I mean, it didn't distract me too much, but it, it was a valid question. Yeah, he, he guys like shows up like 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 it's like you know ah uh, yeah, he's parking his Batmobile and then sees Jughead brushing his teeth. I saw I saw on Twitter people like you know finally after all these episodes we finally see Jughead shirtless and I was like oh, all right I didn't know that was a thing but. Why not? Which is which is weird because like whenever I see Jug, I still think of like I feel like I watched him grow up because of uh, he, Big Daddy and then Zach and Cody. He's twenty four years like, old. <laughs> I know, but like I saw him pee on a wall with Adam Sandler when he was in like kindergarten, and then I saw him as David Schwimmer's son on Friends, and then I saw him like you know, <laughs> I didn't know. That. Of course, it's a Friends reference. <laughs> yeah, and then like run around a hotel with like you know um, Ashley Tisdale and uh, and Friends, and then they were on a cruise ship. Brenda Song, I imagine. Which yeah, yeah, Brenda Song. That's right. And not to be confused with River Song. Uh, oh, a but weird I'm thing that happened at work involving like you know people like, that goes along with the whole like oh finally Cole Sprouse without a shirt. Um, so. <laughs> The kids at work, we were like talking, and I show them like the picture of the press junk. I'm like, oh yeah, this is Cole Sprouse. And it's like, didn't your sister used to have a crush on him? And then like this sixth grader says to me, you know, like very nonchalantly, yeah, she used to get so wet over him. 
I said, what did you say? He said nothing. I'm like, no, what did you just tell me? And it's just weird to hear that about. I don't consider him a sex symbol. He's he's a little boy. And I guess I'm an old man for saying that now because he's – is he really 24? Yeah, because yeah, I remember like looking at the – all, all the actors are – except for Luke Perry, obviously, are younger than us. Um, like, like, like the, <laughs> KJ Oppa is like 19 years old, uh, making out with a 34-year-old woman. Um, I think Betty and Veronica, I think they're like in between like 21 and 22. Um, I forget how old uh, Josie and Cheryl are, but you know. I feel like John, where you go, were you tr- were you trying to make a point with the Jughead like living under the stairs thing? Or no, just to go to the next part of the story because I, I just it was just okay. Trans, trans. That, that's where he is now, and he doesn't have a place with his dad. And, and Archie now finds out. Yeah, Archie finds out, and Archie also finds out something else about Jughead that he and Betty have had moments, which. Archie says he's okay with, but his face does not say he's okay with. I feel like it's like the show didn't dwell on it too much because, like, like Jughead felt guilty about it than Archie did, and then like John, there was was definitely like kind of like a double take where Archie was like, "I don't know how to feel about this." I feel like the double take was more like him surprised because, like, when they're all seen in the student lounge, thinking that like nobody else could possibly hear what they're saying, there's a moment where like Jughead and Betty hold hands, and Archie's like. Whoa! Well, what was that? You did, there, yeah, Archie and Kevin and Ronnie all have like the Ronnie. Yeah, expression. Ronnie had like a cartoonish expression, like thing. Did Riverdale High's own Holden Caulfield put his arm around your shoulder? <laughs> I loved it when she. First of all, like Veronica knows who Holden Caulfield is. Come on, <laughs> Veronica <laughs> knows everything. Veronica knows it all. Veronica, like, Veronica's Veronica omniscient. Like yeah. nobody knows who Holden Caulfield is unless like. You were unless you go to high a, school. you're an intellectual. <laughs> you're an intellectual. B, you're pretentious. C, you're Mark David Chapman. Or D, you were forced to read that book. Well, or I, E, you're Veronica Frickin' Lodge. Yeah, I, I read the book when I was their age in high school, so I, I didn't. I didn't blink twice. Yeah, I, I, I was forced to read it too. Yeah, but like, well, I, mean, uh, no, I, I think I think that uh, you know they do kind of go past it, and every time they go to describe the relationship. They're very hesitant to put a label on it. Like even whenever they're walking, holding hands toward the end of the episode, he's like, "Is this me what home. people like us do?" She's like people like us, and people he's like people who've you know been through all the stuff the we've been through because that he doesn't want to describe them as boyfriend and girlfriend. And I think, I think personally, that this is going to lead into the idea of Jughead discovering he's asexual. He doesn't know what to do with this relationship oh, now. That okay, I, I mean, like, I, did, I, I were they asked about that in, in the show, or the producers were? Because I, I mean, I, I'd be fine for that. Because I know that it's it, been asked, but there haven't been any concrete answers given. Well, I mean, and the whole Jughead being asexual thing, like that—that's that's a long-held fan theory, but like. It's explicitly it's, stated in the comic. Because he was a misogynist in the Golden Age. It's been stated in the comic because, like, there's so many different continuities. In the modern in the comics, comic. yeah, it's been explicitly stated in the, in the, I think the modern they joke that he's. I think that they joke that he's asexual, but he has girlfriends that he's, like, attracted to throughout different eras of the comics. Well, it's 2014 forward. Right, yeah. I've, I've seen that, that interview where they, they explicitly say that he was, but, like, yeah, in the, in the classic, in the Dana Carlo stuff, obviously, like, you know, he like, ignores all the girls that kind of throw themselves over him. There, and there's actually like when, when I see him and Betty kiss, I think of for some reason there's like a thing in the Golden Age, and like I never see it in the actual books, but it's in the covers. It's like a relationship that I've only seen in the covers, where like Betty, like, and sometimes Veronica too, which is weird. Like Betty will throw herself at Jughead, and it's like <laughs> I never see that anywhere else. Like Jughead will be like on a couch with her, and she'll be like, "Oh, I'm cold, Jughead," and she'll he'll be like. Oh no, last time you said that, you tried to get me to put my arm around you. And that's that, that's my uh, Jughead from the 60s show voice, which is what I hear when I think of Jughead all the time. That that, that horrible 60s show, which uh, there is a podcast about that on thearchinguniverse.net, so hopefully you all yeah, check that out. but, well, let's talk about that better. Um, Sorry, I just did this podcast on your network. I'm so I'm a terrible guest. You're never going to invite me back. Um, <laughs> no, we never will. You'll never be on another episode of the Archie Chron or the, the fucking River. I don't even know the name of this. The River. You'll never be on another episode of the <laughs> 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 Falling down the stairs with that one. <laughs> it was like the first episode of our Millie show, and I couldn't get the name right whenever we were recording. I had to re-record the name like three times. 
Um, that really happened too. <laughs> yeah. That's so <laughs> we got we got to that famous episode where Millie's like model no more, and she like walks away <laughs> with all of her modeling dresses in the trash. But yeah, I, I, I want to think that that's where they're going. I, I want to think that Jughead and Betty have an attachment. Maybe there's something hormonal going on, but they don't really know what to do with it now that it's here. And eventually Jughead is, hopefully, I'm hoping, is going to realize that he's asexual like he is in the comics. I mean, this version of Jughead actually would, it would make total sense because he's so, he's so, like, kind of on his own. Yeah, it's, it's an origin story. He's a teenager. He's figuring out himself and he's on his own and, and, and yeah. And it would lead to tension with him and Betty down the road because, like, um, huh. I'm, also, I'm, really I'm also kind of like, like, I don't mind the Betty and Jughead romance, but I thought like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, he kissed her, and then it, it surprised me, but I, I welcome it because, you know, this show has the freedom to do some things that, like, the comics wouldn't really explore as much. And a jug, I mean, and honestly, in the Archie comics, like, especially, like, the Dan DiCarlo type stuff, everyone kind of, like, dates whoever's available, like, you know, to, like, sit next to them at yes, lunch anyway. Like, <laughs> uh,. Reggie dates Betty, Reggie dates Veronica, Archie dates Big Ethel. Like, every, every, no one dates Midge because Moots will beat them up and et cetera. So. Well, now Moots is dating Kevin. Um, I don't know if they're date. They, they like, they like fooled around oh, and like. We haven't seen that guy in, 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 in the next episode. It's like, they said Moose has an official girlfriend in Midge Clump, which was like very chunky dialogue. Like, but. Yeah, well, first, Kevin, um, Kevin has been with a different guy every time we've seen him paired up, which is not exactly friendly to, uh, I guess, the depiction of a gay character on the show. Well, that, I mean, like, this entire, I'm sorry, but, like, the way Kevin's done. went on a big rant about that in episode one of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I'll repeat it. Uh, like, like, Kevin Keller, I remember when he was created, he was specifically created to be a very anti-stereotypical gay character in Archie comics, and... The moment you first see Kevin in this in this show, I think he's gotten better in the last couple of episodes. But but I think by and large he's kind of been a really negative, not negative stereotype, but kind of like a flaming character. And I kind of wish they, they the could, opposite of what his original thesis was. Although I, I think he's been fleshed out since then a little bit. He's like, he's, like, he's, he's he's like Veronica's and Betty's like gay best friend rather than his own character. I would say it's a stereotypical role. I don't think he has a stereotypical depiction. I don't think he, I, I would never. I oh, nothing I that I've that. seen comes to mind as being a flaming queen. Um, I, I think maybe the oh, oh, hold on the, the flame. Um, oh my god, where's those shoes? Yeah, like like when they're like breaking into the school because of like you know the whole Chuck you know uh, Clayton you know uh, playbook Third on the girls thing. It's like they're like oh, Cheryl, what are you doing here? And he's like, and where did you get those boots? Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that was a, I, again, I think he's gotten better since then, but I think yeah. right now he's still kind of like 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 uh, the 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 score is like four uh, three at least. Uh, well, I love the episode a few weeks ago where like he's at the drive-in and you see his frustration, like of like being the only gay guy in like a small like town like single, this, and but and, and his dad like is like saying, "Oh, why don't you date a nice gay guy at the school?" And he's like, "I am the only one." And he keeps on, like, trying to order food, like, more and more food because he realizes who does he have to look good for. And it's like, I'm sorry, we're out of hot dogs. He's like, why doesn't that surprise me? Like, I, I think that he's been fleshed out, and I don't, I wouldn't call it course correction because that implies that, like, you know, they the producers share, share share the same – that's a little negative. I, I would say it implies that the producers have the same point of view that I did. You know, there's course correction and there's learning er, – making your way as you go like like if you watch um a show like gotham like they originally had an idea that like you know gordon was going to be this you know cop with a moral compass and now he's like a murderer that works with the mob like i wouldn't call <laughs> it know, yeah, but josh you, you only know about that because i told you on the phone the other day i mean yeah so jughead's dad um he and archie's dad they need to like eat a snickers because good freaking lord like <laughs> so much pent up aggression, so much pent up aggression. But like some of it's about like stuff that doesn't matter. It's like I'll pay the bill. No, I'll sit out. Put your damn money away, boy. <laughs> I'll pay the bill. Like and that, I, I was like, it's, it's like, like Dad, don't he might hurt us. <laughs> <laughs> the last person that tried to pay a bill was Jason Blossom, and I shot him. Like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And, like, Ginger's in the back, like, texting Cheryl Bloss. I'm like, God, I'm like, yeah. The, the pain, the pain, the bill part played a little weird. But honestly, Very Jughead's, weird. Dad, Jughead's dad is a weird guy. He's just, he's just, he's just, he's just like, you know, there's, there was going to be an abusive parent somewhere on, on this show. And so why not? What do you mean? We have like nine abusive parents on this show. There's no evidence that he hurt Jughead, but he looks like he was like he would be that kind of guy who is like, like you know, kind of like violent and drunkenly going after like Kevin's dad, and you know, nobody does it to my boy. It's, it's just like he's he's a he, he's a star character, quite frankly, and um, he's played very well, but um. He at least gives like Cole Sprouse someone to bounce off of. I like that scene where Cole Sprouse was like kind of telling what his mother and Jellybean were up to, and then his dad was asleep. That was nice. It was kind of cool because like Jughead, like he's just relating to his dad, which is something we actually hadn't really seen before. It's him just talking to his dad and trying to be, you know, relatable. And his dad sleeps through the whole thing. Well, and you get the sense too that like Jughead's like, oh, if you get this job back, then maybe Mom and Jellybean will come back and. I feel like there's a little bit of like you know that ten year old boy in Jughead who thinks that his parents, his divorced parents, are going to get back together because I, I have a feeling that just like reading between the lines that like you know Mrs. Jughead left for like more than just unemployment. Um, well, I have a feeling like, that he's he's sort of parroting what he and his dad have said back and forth to each other that if his dad could just get his stuff together, then the mom and sister could come back. When that really that's way too oversimplified. Yeah, like, she's probably gone for other... And, and that's not a fault of the show. I consider that, like, you know, Jughead, um, you know, he, <laughs> he... Like any kid, he thinks that if only his divorced parents could just back up... And he tries way too hard for his dad, who, like, isn't even trying himself. You know, like... Like, it's like, hey, Dad, I got you this job offer lined up. Oh, that? I turned it down. What kind of man do I be? A man with a job! <laughs> like, Door slam. <laughs> Oh yeah, one of those. <laughs> and, and then like the back and forth between like you know Archie's dad telling the story, and then like uh, and then Jughead's dad telling the story, and well, then, that kind of leads into um, the the arrest that we were talking about earlier because Jughead and Archie have some tension because Archie's dad, sure, Jughead's dad FP had some problems. So Fred fired him because he had to look out for his company and his family. And Archie's like, so it doesn't matter that you fired Jughead's dad and left Jughead out in the cold or whatever? And so later in the show, whenever Jughead is arrested, Fred pulls out an alibi to get Jughead free. So I feel like he was sort of doing that to help make up to Archie for, you know, the conversation they had earlier. And... I'm so used to the happy-go-lucky nature of, like, the comics where, like, the worst thing that ever happens is, like, you know, Archie, like, spills milk or, like, you know, something like that. Like, it's, or knocks down the entire mansion that the lodges are building as they move into town. Yeah, like, we, as if he would actually be able to do that in real life, <laughs> but it's a comic. Yeah. That, that, that was, like, the second issue of the Mark Wade comic. Um the, it was a funny scene. <laughs> it, was, it was typical comic hijinks because he's like carrying a long plank sideways and he turns and knocks over the house. Which that sounds like it would be a Dan DiCarlo moment, but no, it's a Mark Wade moment. He like destroys the whole mansion. <laughs> um, but anyway, like um, I'm so used to the happy-go-lucky nature of the comics. So like whenever the characters act like really, really tense about something that I feel they're overreacting to, I call it a grab a Snickers moment. And I feel like that whole Jughead arrest thing was like a grab a Snickers moment because it's like, hey, Luke Perry, the stakes aren't that high. Like, you don't need to come up with an alibi. Well, in fairness, I mean, they were looking at Jughead for murder. They were they were looking at that. Yeah, they, they had nothing on him. Like, because when you lie, though, like, you become – you're obstructing a murder investigation and makes it worse. Like, they weren't going to give him the lethal injection right then and there. Like, well, we've already established that the, the legal system in Riverdale is not all it's cracked up to be because of all the wealth. <laughs> it's Sheriff Keller and nobody else. <laughs> it's Judge, Jury, and Keller. Judge, Judy, and Keller? No. Um, yeah. I, I, I can respect Fred stepping in there because they had arrested a child or at least brought him in for questioning. I'm sure tenuous evidence, but Keller looked pretty determined. You burned down an elementary school when you were 10 years old. When you got made you fun of Jason Blossom. <laughs> you got made fun of for wearing a crown. And like, yeah, exactly. 
And for them, that would be like recent memory, like the burn down the elements. Because if they've all been living in this town so long, like that, that wouldn't be a secret unless he like moved from another town. But in any case, I don't know. Like I'm going to disagree about like the Fred Jones stepping in their thing because again, I feel like that that's complicating things more so. Because again, now you have a lot. Now you've lied to the cops in a murder investigation. You've faked evidence. Like these are very very big crimes. And it was like an unnecessary – it was a super unnecessary risk because I don't feel like Jughead was going to jail. I don't think oh, so. I totally I don't agree. Think so it, it, it could come back and bite him in the ass probably the same day that it, it, it absolutely is. It, it's a CW show. <laughs> Somebody lied to the cops. Yeah, it's going to bite him in the ass. <laughs> They're trying to lie more times than the characters in The Flash do. Um I, I agree that like I don't think that Joker, hey, Joker Harrison would have been Wells down. is someone else again. I don't, I don't think that, that that they would have like just thrown him in prison, but like I, th- I, th- I think that like I, I don't know. It, it, I bought the reasoning in, in this show, uh, and I, I guarantee, yeah, yeah, that that Luke Perry would probably be sent to jail the next episode. Lying in a murder investigation are really high, and the consequences for not stepping in, I think, would have been just. You know, Jughead would have probably been fine because, you know, there was I don't I don't feel like they really had anything on him that was concrete, and he probably would have walked out of there okay. And now, like, if his dad beat up the sheriff, that that would not have that probably would have not arrested Jughead for that, but like not not look great. I feel it's I, I tell the kids this when they get it when like that when somebody's like being like bad to them, I say just I say just don't do anything. That way, they're the ones that get in trouble, and you won't get in trouble. So, and that, and that's, and I feel like that's kind of what happened here. Like, had they not done anything, things would have been fine. Now they can get in a lot of trouble, and like so, they would, they they were not facing jail before. They are now facing jail for like. It's only going to come back up if they have more reasons to suspect Jughead later. As it is right now, Jughead's been lifted off the hook. He's in the clear. And only something comes back up later. And Jughead, as but it's a soap opera, so been, something will come back up later. Well, they're 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 going through a cycle of putting the blame on different people. I mean, the blame has yeah. been put on on four different people so far. Um, but Cheryl you know, you know what else like often carries a this. pretty significant penalty is is statutory rape of a minor. And that seemed to just like okay, we'll just leave town and we're good. No, it's completely like 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 just actively ignored. I think that the jacket at the end is a is a red herring. Uh, I, I don't think that Jughead's dad and the South Serpents like you know killed Jason. I think they found the jacket in the woods or something or whatever. But. I don't buy any of the parents killing Jason because honestly, like this this is kind of like my, my one of my major problems with the show is that like I think that there's too much hang, hang up on the adults. Like, there's too much like plot lines devoted to the, the adults devolving things that we've not seen in the show. So if one of the parents killed Jason. It's it's like then what, what are the what are the points? What's the reason that we have all the supporting characters like like Reggie and Kevin and those guys there? Like, wouldn't that be more engaging? Especially if it was Jughead's dad. I was like, well, all right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like the parents are there as someone for the kids. We see almost almost with every single one of them. And there are a couple of exceptions, but almost every single one of them, we see these parents from the kids' perspectives. And I think that actually might be a part of the stylistic reason why some parents, like the Coopers and the um, the Redheads, the Blossoms, the Blossoms are <laughs> the so effing weird. Cheryl uh, because Yeah, sure. Well, we were talking about a red herring earlier. Um, <laughs> don't forget so, Stella's Stella show from Cheryl to Blossom, a Cheryl Blossom podcast. I don't know why she named it that. It's like it's like, <laughs> it's, like with, it's derivative of something else that doesn't actually exist. But there you go. With exceptions like Hermione and Fred, whom we do see more of from their own points of view, and are human, yeah, and are human. All the other, all the other parents, we only see from the kids' point of view, and so yeah, they're weird and they're messed up, and because I think that's how parents, how kids see their parents sometimes. Uh, there's a lot of scenes between like the adults where like they're just acting really creepy. Like, 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 for instance, well, I mean, yeah, there, I guess there's, like, Betty was... They went to that, like, weird mayor party, like, a few weeks ago, and it's like, oh, I wouldn't expect to see you here. And then, like, and then the the Blossom family uh, was were like, oh, how dare you come to my son's funeral that I invited you to? Like, <laughs> Oh, but there's oh, another yeah, example like, of parents that we do see more of, like, Hermione has relationships with both Archie's and Jughead's dad, and those... Almost came together in a in a weird bit of you know 
collision in this episode that they, they narrowly avoided. Don't forget, if you step on a, you you won't get bitten by a snake if you don't step on it. Right. Yeah, that whole self sight and <laughs> this whole self sight serpents thing. It's like a gang from like Little Archie, who were like not this threatening at all, but. Uh, I do find it weird that, like, in this continuity, all the parents went to high school together and were all, like, classmates. And they all grew <laughs> up and had kids at the same time. Like, But they the did not age. drink the same syrup. <laughs> yeah, well, the maple syrup, it's... Uh, I don't know. Um, anything else to say about the Jughead plotline? Um, I guess not. What do you think is going to happen? Like, do, I, do we think that he and Betty are going to stay together? Well, John thinks John was saying that he thought that it might lead to him being asexual, which that would be kind of gutsy for, you know, primetime TV to explore. I feel like with the CW, they might like not do that because, you know, they might have Cole Sprouse take his shirt off and like be with sexy teenagers more. But anything could happen. Yeah, CW is not interested in people not hooking up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But you never know. We shall see. Uh, the other plot line is – and uh, this is actually my favorite Veronica moment of the show because at first you think she's just like being petty and like, you know, like how dare mom do this to me. But then when she's at that bar and she like talks about, you know, like how her mom told her that the one thing that they'll never take away from you is your name. And then when mom did that, like, you know, she felt like she really lost everything. I, I thought that was like, you know, a nice emotional moment and some nice depth for Veronica's character. Well, she certainly hasn't been lacking for depth in the show, but I did think that was a really good moment. Yeah, I think, I think a lot. I think a lot of people online said that she's like their favorite character. And it's ironic because I, I think that like from the original Archie, except for Jughead and Veronica, all the other characters are rather at least from the classic stuff like Goody Two Shoes. And she, and not that she's not a, not a good person, but she's kind of kind of vain and selfish. And you do see her flashes of her character, like you know, kind of being kind of very like. Um, flashy and you know, oh come on, be or whatever. But like generally, she's the one with like the greatest moral compass. Like, she actually said, I have a plan to get back at Chuck. And then, like, you know, Betty took that over and went insane. <laughs> Let's roofie him and, like, and like torture him in a hot, and waterboard and him dress, in a hot tub. Like, like, dress in, like, hot vinyl and for no – why did that happen? <laughs> dude, dude, you can't say for no reason. There is every reason always for black leather. I'm just saying. For three reasons they did that. Um – but uh, <laughs> we sure showed him not to say mean things about girls in notebooks by like roofing him and torturing him and like and nearly killing him, like breaking and entering into his school. And <laughs> well, my point is, that, my point is that, like, like, I think Veronica is like an easy character to say that she's actually the best character. Show. And that's and that's a good thing. And I think this one is it was dramatic where she's like, you know, like she took my name and she's taking everything from me. Um, even though I'm, I'm like illegally being in this club and, you know, kind of being a dick to the, uh, the guy doing his job, but that's how teenagers are. Yeah. And, and I like that Reggie was her like kind of plus one because in the comics, like Veronica and Reggie are, you know, uh, off again, off again thing. Sometimes when she's not with Archie, like Reggie's, you know, trying to win over her affections. And there's also some like, like, uh, uh, I mean, I I don't want to say like everything that, 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 um, that Kevin does is a stereotype because then I'll just t- turn into a homophobe. But like, there's like, you know, I want to get like Josie, you know, my celeb friend, my best gay, that's you, and Reggie, which is my like, like I can't. He's like, I am so in. It's like, you guys are just going out. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't want to criticize it too much, but like, I, I always do raise an eyebrow from the first episode of how they do him. Mm-hmm. Anything to say about Veronica? Uh, I love her. I want to marry her. You can't. You're already married, dude. There hey, are ways. It, hey, hey, what, what's hope in this universe? She's also two decades younger than you. <laughs> in this universe, like, what, what, what is best? Like, what, 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 what? Like, is there anything different from her in this universe than the other one? Um, not behind I, you. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything. <laughs> she's behind you. You'd be like, nope, because in in every universe, she's perfect just the way she is. Oh, hi, honey. Didn't see you there <laughs> when I said that compliment. Uh, okay, so um, our weekly segment on the show, which is um, who do we think, you know, as of all the evidence got this week, uh, what are your theories about the Jason Blossom murder? Uh, John, since you're new to the party, you can go first. So ever since I heard this theory, I've been holding on to this theory and just, you know, 
proving it every episode to see how it stands. I think Kevin did it. Go on. <laughs> um, Kevin is the only character who does not have a problem. Every other one of the major characters has something, some sort of drama going on in their life. We haven't seen any of that from Kevin yet. He's always there. And it's interesting when you have this theory in mind to see just when they choose to cut to Kevin for a reaction shot or for something like that. For example, in the... um, and the student lounge, which is like the second or third scene of the show, when they're all talking, and, and it's the one where um, Jughead puts his arm around Betty, and Betty holds his hand. Mm-hmm. They mention whoever torched the car. They get to Kevin. And Kevin has an uncomfortable look on his face. Um, it's, it's not a whole lot of evidence to support that he's doing it, that he did it, except that there's no evidence to say that he didn't so far. And um, and yeah, I think it'd be interesting if Kevin is the killer. Although, did this show do go, that? We go back to my thought earlier about look at what they've done with this Grundy. Of course, they'll do this. How are you going to handle the one gay character on your show? What kinds of things are you going to do with this character and having him be the murderer and therefore having to? <laughs> the yeah, that's 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 the CW, all right. Yeah, so I just um, you know, it's it's kind of like and and Don. I'm sure this is a trope. We've already even talked about this before. Can we please have a science fiction show that does not kill the black guy? Sure. You know, pretty quickly into things. So do you really want to have your one gay character be the murderer? So it, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a theory. My only refuting of that is, um, I don't think that Kevin has no problems or anything going on because number one, I, I feel like the show's kind of getting to everyone. Like, as it goes on, like giving everyone their moments of death. And first Kevin had that like, you know, thing where like, is he going to be with Moose or not going to be with Moose? But Moose has an official girlfriend and they didn't really follow up on that. Then the fact that like the only other gay person that hooked up with him is a Southside serpent, but Oh drama, Kevin, like it's, it's like an old Stan Lee comic, you know, if, if we ever covered those, you know, in our lives where like the drama is, you know, he's dating a criminal, but his dad's the sheriff, you know, like what crazy, you know, like hijinks and misunderstandings will occur from this. So I feel like that's a pretty big deal, but, but, but I mean, otherwise, like I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. I just, I, I don't see him as like someone with no plot lines going on. Cause you could say that about Reggie as well. Or, uh, Reggie is Reggie is the resident supervillain. Well, I mean, I, I mean, every time they, he they, they hasn't they, done anything supervillainy. His, his actor well, he's a is always, um, wouldn't he kill Jason? His his actor is always listed as like special guest, so he's not part of the main cast yet. So I don't know. I, I, I doubt he'd be the killer. <laughs> my my second theory is that Mrs. Grundy did it because she's going to come back to the show, and that's that would be the reason why. That would actually kind of make sense to me. Well, no, because she was with Archie, right? No, she wasn't. Yeah, but 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 he didn't die. When they heard the gunshot, he died weeks later. A week later. Yeah, or so something like that. Like, the, the, the timeline's kind of sketchy. Well, yeah, the gunshot was the morning of the 4th. He died on the 11th. Um, <sighs> but, so, actually, every single thing that we think about in connection with that morning turns out had nothing to do with Jason dying. Because Jason Including, like, him. the whole, like, where was Jughead the, on the 4th of July? Like, Jughead could still be the murderer because right. he didn't die on the 4th of July. That's but for true. some reason, everyone's still hung up on the 4th of July. Um, yeah, it could be Dilton, I guess. <laughs> the menace to society. <laughs> Did you say your, your theory yet, Josh? Uh, no, do you want to go first or do you want me to? I mean, my theory is basically yours. Like, like you told me, because I'm not really, I don't really watch the show just to figure out who killed Jason Blossom. Because I didn't know Jason Blossom existed until the first episode. It's really just to see how they, how they're like interpreting the Archie universe. So, like, you yeah, say even yours, if you like, read a lot of Archie comics, you're not going to see Jason Blossom a lot. Like, because it's like you, you mostly see Cheryl, and like very rarely Jason, unless like you're reading the Cheryl comic or something. Um, and and Stella's talked about that on her show. Uh, so. My theory is Polly, and where I and I, I've said this, 
I've said this before, um, and I'm just going to, you know, sum it up for new listeners or in case, you know, somebody's wandered in from another universe where I do a different show. Um, if it's, if it's Polly, it's a way for a lot of the characters to like, you think of it from the standpoint of like a writer, you want to create drama. And if it's Polly, then there's going to be tension between the Blossoms and the Coopers, between Betty and Cheryl, between like, basically um, she's, she's connected enough to enough of the main players that it will cause problems, but at the same time, if it's someone like Kevin or like Jughead or whatever, you have to take one of the players off of the chessboard. So you can keep all of the important players there, but like, you know, still create tension between them without like radically changing the status quo too much. Cause you're not going to like, you know, do a season of Jughead in jail, I would think. I mean, the show could surprise me. And early on, I guess, you know, okay, well, we knew that they were in a relationship, so maybe he ran away to go see her. And I guessed a pregnancy before the pregnancy happened, but I'm not going to pretend to be a genius about that because that's just like a soap opera trope, you know, like someone getting sent away. Okay, you know, they're pregnant. Um, so the way I think it happened is he ran off to go see her. She was able to sneak out of this place at night because either there's, you know, remember what she said. In fact, there's a clue in this episode. She's like, oh, please, I wrote the book on sneaking out of this house. So we know that she can, like, sneak out of places undetected. And maybe there's even, like, a guard or an orderly who, you know, she bribed off or something. I don't know. But somehow she had a way of seeing Jason. And I think we they implied that she might have had a drug problem. That might be why there's the drugs in the car. And... Maybe something went wrong and she killed him or he was going to break up with her and she killed – I mean somehow there was a struggle and he died. But the the thing that cinched it for me was like and, – and this this is what the cops said about O.J. Simpson, you know, like when, when they called to say that like, you know, his wife died. She never asked how he died. She finds out he died but like she doesn't know. Was this a car crash? Was he murdered? And she never asks how. And she jumps to the death conclusion really quickly as if she already knew it. And then this episode that we were just watching now, Polly is a prop. Like, we don't really get a lot of her, like, thoughts and feelings and, like, you know, and what she's going through. She just found out that, like, the man that she was planning on marrying is dead. How is this affecting her? We don't see her really grieving over Jason. And that, to me, is either bad writing or very telling. And I'm going to give the writers more credit than that, that, like... But I, I don't know. I, and I feel like if you remove Polly from the show, the show can, like, you know, go on. Like, you know, like, you don't need Polly in season two. Therefore, if she's the murderer, she'd be a disposable person to get rid of. So that, that's where I'm going with it. Yeah, and I'm inclined to agree with that. <laughs> Makes more sense to me. Yeah. Honestly, it does make the most sense, especially from a storytelling writing point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a lot more than make the gay guy the murderer. Yeah. They could surprise us. They could surprise us? That's why it's the CW, because CW stands for surprise. The, uh, okay, so that was... That's where we say the name of the episode. The Outsiders? In the... Oh, no, we have a new episode. Okay, no, Outsiders is next. Oh. Okay, that was In a Lonely Place. Next week's episode is called The Outsiders, and the description is... As Fred and his crew are about to start construction, he loses his crew, which could put his livelihood in jeopardy. Wanting the help is dead. Archie and his friends pitch in the help, but after... Okay, you don't use the word help twice in one sentence. That's bad grammar. Um, unless unless the people who bring you food need some assistance, you can help the help. And his friends pitch in to help, but after one of them is attacked, the gang comes up with a plan that lands them in Southside Serpent Territory... With Jughead's secret revealed, I'm assuming either about his dad or being homeless, he is worried how his friends will react. Meanwhile, Veronica and Betty suggest throwing Polly a baby shower to make her feel better, but Polly is hesitant knowing how everyone feels. Alright, so that's the description for next week's episode. Any thoughts on that? Um, I, th- I think, yeah, I think that this, this, his secret will be that he's like homeless, or living in the, living in the showers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or he killed Jason. We find out next week, and the rest of the season is about like you know the the, the maple syrup wars or something. It's the second season of Twin Peaks. I, I, I was, uh, John, have you seen Twin Peaks? Oh yeah. 
what's it like having like like uh, Alice Cooper be um was it Shelley? Yeah, Shelley Johnson. It's weird because she's she has not that none character at all. of the same mannerisms. Yeah, she's she's entire honestly like 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 Josh like Betty's crazy mom basically played a Betty Cooper kind of character in Twin Peaks when she was like at that age. And she, I, I've seen a little bit of candid stuff with her from like you know stuff from the show, and she is naturally a lot like Shelley Johnson. Like when she played Shelley Johnson, she was largely playing a version of herself. Mm, okay. um, and this is this is not. <laughs> so it's it's weird. She's also um, aged a lot. I, mean, I, I more than I would have more than I would have imagined for like just twenty five years. You know, twenty. It's it's an important twenty five years. <laughs> twenty five years is a lot. <laughs> Are you going to be watching season three? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, All right. So until next time, this is Josh. This is Donovan. And this is very special guest, John Wilson. <laughs> and you've been listening to the Riverdale Chronicle podcast. We'll see you all next time. Sugar. Da, 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 da. We should, we should <laughs> make sure like, to close with the, with the big Archie head like the show does. Also recording, but as a backup, I didn't want to be. Yeah, nowadays you need like six recordings going because, like, good lord, like. Well, I think everybody's learned. Everybody has had some yes. major problems. Yes. But it happens all the time now. Like the last Clone Soccer Chronicles, I think, is like three different people like recorded that episode. I have actually lost very few episodes since. The big, the big, the big since, April Fool's that, The last back. time we did an April Fool's show together. Yeah, so let's curse that, right? No, I think since then I've only lost <laughs> like once, but um, but you don't you don't want to have it happen again. So. Hello, you're listening to the Riverdale the Chronicle. Hello, and you are listening to the Riverdale Chronicle podcast, powered by thearchyuniverse.net. Check out the Archie Universe for this and many other great Batman podcasts. I'm f- me. <laughs> I said Batman. Hello, okay. you're listening to Riverdale. Okay, okay. You can start with checkout. Yeah. Hello, and you are listening to the Riverdale Chronicle podcast, powered by the Riverdale Universe. Check out the Riverdale Universe for this. Oh, no, it would be the Archie. Okay. Third time, final time. Okay, this this isn't hard. Hello, and you are listening to the Riverdale Chronicle podcast powered by the Archie Universe. Check out the ArchieUniverse.net for this and many other great Archie podcasts. Got it. I am Josh, and joining me is... How do you feel so far? It's like old times. (laughs) Hearing, I mean, when I was kind of looking down at the bed, because I'm I'm on my bed, and hearing both of your voices, I was like, ah, that that is an old thing. Oh, that's nice. April six. It's called La Grande Illusion. Oh, I need I need to re-download a, a what's it called? Comic Reader? From my, from oh. my new laptop. Like what? It's, it's Comic Reader, right? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comic or CBR readers. RG reluctantly agrees to escort Cheryl to her family's official. Oh no! No! Wait, 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 wait! Hit me again. <laughs> I didn't even say it out loud. I got to like. Cause, I'm like, I'm not reading the head. I'm just reading this out loud as it's coming. Archie officially agrees to escort Cheryl to her family's official start of... Can you guess what it is? I don't know. Maple syrup tapping. What? (laughs) Because he gets an offer that could help his future. Archie starts to become skeptical of the real reason the Blossoms are so eager to help him. 
However, he gets some helpful information for Betty about her sister. Veronica is trying to be nice and unbeknownst to her, befriends a classmate that her father's illegal doings has hurt. Hermione is conflicted about telling Fred the truth. Meanwhile, Alice is ready to get revenge on the Blossom once and for all with the help Oh my god! <laughs> with the help of her two daughters. Okay. <laughs> so, so we're really doing this whole maple syrup war thing. We talked about that on, on, on the episode, uh, and uh, I know you weren't here for that, but like we could... Well, that one hasn't come out yet, as we're recording this, so I haven't, I haven't heard it yet. It, it is. It, it, it did come out. <laughs> the way that we do the Gotham's is like they come out the Friday of uh, uh, which of, of that that after they aired. Sure, in that which, universe, which actually would be interesting for Riverdale because they record on Thursday, so the schedule would probably be different. Parallel universes are weird. The ones that we we decide to live in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we create. <laughs> I'm yes. a watcher. I have all these parallel universes to manage. <laughs> because I want um, to. So, <laughs> uh, I'm going I'm to close with um, Archie's Weird Mysteries, and I'm going to open with everything's Archie. Nice. <laughs> Is the 60s show really that bad? Yes! Uh, well, I yes. mean, it's, 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 it's a goofy yeah. cartoon, which is dumb. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing about this show is like coming from the context of like people who have like seen Archie like all your life. Like, okay, how much Looney Tunes have you watched? I grew up on Looney Tunes. Okay, so like imagine like they do a primetime show about Looney Tunes and it's a drama and Bugs Bunny's like uh, like an alcoholic like ex detective and Taz is like a heroin addict and Pepe Le Pew is like a rapist and the show is like played very, very seriously. Like, that's what it felt like for us, like, watching this pilot. <laughs> also, I would watch the hell out of that show. Oh, yeah, so would I. But, like, <laughs> I'd be horrified the whole way. 